Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Jesus, with his disciples and always others around them. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, help us to understand this hearing of his word. So every week I go into a website to find some um, stuff, some worksheets for the kids back on the the back table. Sorry, we're going to lose that table before too long, so their workspace is going to be taken from them. We have these, these little notebooks in case little ones come. And it's from one of the modern rock and roll churches that's out west. And they have all kinds of, they've got hundreds, literally about 300 uh, kids' things for inserts of this sort. They have nothing on the Lord's Prayer. And if you go to one of those rock and roll churches, one of those modern churches, you'll perhaps be surprised. Many of them never use the Lord's Prayer. Or they'll use, use it maybe once every four months or so. As I've done some background, and I've, I've worshipped in those churches. And, and I thought, this is interesting. And I'm not being critical, it's just an observation. But um, it kind of runs against, not my liturgical sensibilities, because I have no liturgical sensibilities. <laughs> but... When I was little, when we would get in the car going anywhere as a family, we'd start out and then there would be a pause. And Dad would take his bent-up fingers and put them together on the steering wheel and say, Our Father, who art in heaven. And we'd say the Lord's Prayer and then the 23rd Psalm. It was part of the family thing. We had these rituals as a family, and those rituals always included, among the few rituals that we had, was prayer. And we had at the table a Swedish prayer, yes and am to we had this, this Swedish prayer that we would say. And, and yet the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm were so fundamental to not so much my faith life as it was my family life. And then as I grew older, then I realized how important it was to have a taproot in faith. And 
rather than becoming rote repetition, it became something that I came to understand as, as something that had depth, substance. It was not just a family prayer, it was the Lord's Prayer. And yes, Jesus says, teach or pray this way, pray like this. So the prayer becomes something of a model prayer. But it's also his words. It's his prayer that is a means of teaching us not just how to pray, but the reality and the nature of prayer. So he starts with the word, our. Now this is Jesus, the Son of God. Our Father. Meaning Jesus is one with all of us. Meaning that when Jesus says that word, our, he is making a statement about the nature of this faith and the nature of prayer. And that is that when we say our, there is no other. There is no them. When the Lord of the universe says our, then that includes all of us. And that includes people who are rich and poor and everything in between, people of every race, tongue, tribe, and and all of that. It's, It's an hour. And I believe it also includes those people who have no knowledge of this faith. So when Jesus said that, when Jesus said, Our Father, there were Incas in Peru at the same time. And Jesus, the Lord of the universe, Jesus, the Son of God, when he says our, that's a word that encompasses the planet. Such that even those who are outside at this point, outside the faith, we don't understand them to be excluded, but we understand them to be part of that hour. For it is the Lord of the universe giving us a prayer that is a universal prayer and a universal hour. The Apostle Paul goes to unpack this further when he talks about the nature of redemption. And he says that all creation is waiting on tiptoes for the redemption of the children of God. So the redemptive work of Christ, when he says our, it's everyone even everything. In recent years, I've become an animal lover. I have a hard time believing that, that the animals aren't going to be with us in heaven. <laughs> that those of us who have pets and come to know their personalities and, and uh, how, how, like dogs, for example, are always like little kids for, for however long they're with us, And C.S. Lewis says the same thing. He thinks that that there's some sort of redemptive reality about the nature of the animal world. Well, when the Apostle Paul says that all creation participates, and when Jesus says, our, then we have to infer from that that there is nothing that stands outside the redemptive work of our Lord as God came to us in human flesh and shows his love for us. Then, 
instructs us to make our prayer to Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. Now yes, Father is something of a metaphor, but it's not just a metaphor. Jesus could have used something far more generic, but then it wouldn't be personal. Jesus could have, as we hear in a lot of our churches these days, used all kinds of generic metaphors, and there are tons of metaphors in the Bible to speak of God. But those metaphors don't meet the, the test of being personal. Personal. Even to say our parent isn't personal enough. And I don't believe that, that in this case we're dealing with, well, this is just because it's a patriarchal society, because that would infer, that, but that would imply that, that Jesus is speaking to the political realities of power, the functioning of power. And I don't understand Jesus to be addressing power relationships at all when he speaks of prayer and he speaks of God as his Father. And, it, and God as Father also stands for us as a, as a corrective to all the abuses of the Father figure or the Father. And we know that those abuses are, are there and horrific. But when he speaks of Father, he's speaking of God as protector and provider. It's not about power. It's not about God as a predator. The only predator nature of God is that he runs us down to love us. He pursues us like lost children to embrace us. So he says, our Father, so that we might, as fathers, find a functional example for our lives in relationship with our wives, children, etc., in relationship with our society but also as a way of understanding that we have a God who is personal. A God who is intimately with us. A God who cares deeply. Who hurts with us. Helmut Thielicke was a pastor during the Second World War in Germany. In, in, I don't know if I can say it correctly. I need Helga's help here. Stuttgart. <laughs> and we, we say we, we say Stuttgart. <laughs> but he was in Stuttgart and carrying on his ministry. And the, the Nazis were after him, but he managed to always wiggle out. He was such a bright man that he was able to keep them at bay while he carried on his work because he knew pastors we couldn't have all the pastors in Germany thrown in the prison camps we needed pastors on the ground with the people and the people came to, to Tilica and they said what is going on here? We just go to bed at night and these bombs come screaming down at us what is going on that God who, who made the lilies of the field, he also sends the frost that destroys them. If God really cares, why would we be suffering this way? Why would we be enduring such hardship? And we all ask those questions. 
When we have that why question, we can ask it, ask it, and ask it, but we never have an answer to that question. But we may have ways of understanding that question that that defies an answer. Simply by suggesting that there is nothing that happens in our experience such that when we call our God Father, we don't isolate God off as if He is not enduring any of this. But when we call God Father, as a father suffers with his own children, likewise God suffers with us. That there is not a screeching bomb that fell on Stuttgart that our Lord did not hear. There was not a a moment of suffering. There was not a, a war widow who did not experience suffering that wasn't experienced that much more deeply by the Father. And so, as Tilako tried to respond to these questions and to find answers, he simply said that, that all things that happen somehow pass the Father's review. And the Lord God, our Father, does what he must to bring redemption through the worst of our lives' circumstances. And it's not just about going to heaven someday. It's about God actually working with all the circumstances of this life, all the afflictions of this life, and somehow bringing about a redemption that in some way we all personally, individually experience because of the love of our Father and that finds some yielding, oftentimes way beyond the years of our life. And so we have a God who, who, as our Father, made us, cares for us, and, and then brings us back to himself. This is a world that is held in his hands. And that was the core theme of Helmut Thielke's ministry, that we are held in the Father's hands. And our Father's in heaven. We don't have access to him. We can't get there from here. He has to come to us. Our Father in heaven has come to us and does come to us. He bridges the chasm. He he makes it happen so that we can know him. And all of the stuff of religion doesn't do it. So I can stand here, I could... I could do the Lord's Prayer a hundred times. It <laughs> doesn't get me anywhere. doesn't get me to heaven. I can obey all the rules, stop at all the stop signs. I can do everything right, and I don't get an inch closer to our Father who is in heaven. The only access that we have is if He comes to us. And He does. And when He does, as He does we begin to develop a sense of the reality of the inbreaking of that kingdom into our own place. And every now and then we also have a sense of what it is, this life that we live, and what it's really about. 
I had a night terror about a year ago. It was stunning. I've never had anything like this before. I was having trouble sleeping, so I went out to the couch and slept out there. And suddenly, I saw in my mind's eye a man standing in the corner of the dining area. And of course, it was this night terror type dream. And I, I saw him and I, I tried to yell at him and my voice choked down so I could hardly say a thing. I, and I said, what are you doing here? And then thank God I woke up. But as I thought about that experience, however horrific it was, I thought about the fact that that is more true about this life without God than the life that I live in the bright light of day. The reality is that this life, if we take God out of it, it is a life dominated by simply random chance. It's a blind universe within which there is nothing to hope for. And we, in fact, then live this life with the vain hope that there is something meaningful and purposeful about our lives. And we are here only by the, by the random forces of a blind universe. And we have this moment of life, and then it's over with and gone. And that night terror reminded me that that is a reality of life that our Father overcomes that our loving father comes to us such that we have life it's pretty sweet we get up in the morning and there's the coffee <laughs> there's the orange juice there's the morning news well that's not so pleasant is it but we live this life and it's punctuated by those moments where that hardship, that harshness breaks in. And we have those moments when we experience that hardship and harshness when a hip goes out. Or when the, when the doctor finds something very bad within us. And that, that wilderness of, of life, that wilderness of reality begins to break in upon us. That terror begins to break in. But our loving Father teaches us otherwise. And that is that He is with us, He upholds us, He gives us a sweet, good life in the here and now. And that the goodness of God in its highest and best form breaks in upon us every now and then. When we see another and we are overwhelmed with love. When we see a, a mourning and we are overwhelmed with appreciation. When we see the goodness of, of other people acting out toward others. When we see no division among people. When we see people giving charity and care and loving nature to others to others in need. Moments like that, we know that our Father who art in heaven comes to be with us and is with us. And so in these ways, 
In these ways we are moved, called, impelled to pray. And we pray to our Father in heaven. Will you bow with me? And thank you, Lord, that we, your children, are not left desolate, that we are not alone, that we live not with the realities and the terrors of life. Those terrors break through every now and then. And yet it is such that it is such, at such times that your protective hand has, has allowed them to come through, but they have passed through your review. So may we trust, and may we continue to pray. In the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.